Thank you for visiting Crosslink Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. You know, you sit and watch uh, videos about what our kids are doing, and I don't know about you, but for me, it makes me want to go do those things. I, I, um, When I was growing up, all we had really was church camp. We didn't really have conferences and things like that. We had a state convention that wasn't anything like what we uh, have for kids now, and um, you see some of the creative stuff that they use on those videos to teach kids, and it's pretty amazing. So if you're a junior high school kid, that CIY belief thing, that's something you would want to lock into and take advantage of. Uh, I want to thank Michelle for filling in for Kyle. Kyle is away in Florida wrapping up his master's degree, and this will be the pretty much the last trip that he has to make to Florida other than graduation this summer and um, I think we're all excited about that not the least of which is Kyle who has worked very very hard and has a lot of stuff that he's had to to do to get this master's degree and and um, it's it's bettered him you can tell he's excited about it I think he's a better worship leader as a result and um, he'll be gone this week and next week and then he'll be back with us so be praying for him and Stephanie and little Maddox that they have safe travels to and from and uh, they'll be back with us before we know it. Next week, don't forget, we're going to press play on Louis Giglio. We get two weeks of this series called Hope. And uh, I just can't tell you strongly enough how powerful this message series is and how it's going to speak to you. And <clears throat> if you know someone who's been through a lot, if you know someone who needs to know Christ, if you know someone that, that you've been trying to figure out you know, some reason to invite them to our church, um, this is a great opportunity for you to just say, hey, Preacher's been talking about this thing that's going to happen the next two weeks, and I thought you might be interested, and bring them along. They will not be sorry. You will not be sorry if you're here, I promise you. It's really, really good. And um, I'm looking, I'm really, I told Bob this morning uh, back at the sound booth, I'm really looking forward to this next two weeks. Uh, turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. We are going to wrap up Jonah this morning. Um, what a great story what a what a what a you know you hear these stories out of the old testament and you think well um that's cool for the old testament and that's that's cool for that time but does it really have any truth for us today and does it really speak to us today and the cool thing about the old testament and the new testament is that they are very relevant the truth uh and contained in these books is timeless as we will see today the story of jonah takes kind of a strange turn today you know the first two chapters we talked about running from God and how at some point in our lives all of us have done that and we've all had kind of a collective shared experience it's pretty similar for most of us we we have these areas of life maybe that we protect and we run from God in those areas and the the fallout from that sometimes is very very similar for us we we talked about the fact that some people don't just block off one area of their life they take everything and run from God as far as they can and um, we talked about what can happen when you do that Last week we talked about God's perspective on people who run from him and what you learn today is that even if you spend years of your life, chapters, big blocks of time running from God, what you discover today and what we discovered a little bit last week is that when you do that, no matter how far you've run, no matter how far you've gone and no matter how long you've been gone, when you decide to come back, God is there and waiting for you and ready to put you to work and and he's got things for you to do. Um, he still has a plan and a purpose, even when you've taken off on him. He still keeps a plan and purpose 
for your life at the ready. Um, We said last week that God often uses the negative circumstances in our life not to pay you back. It's not that God's trying to punish you or make you feel bad or, or, you know, make sure that you understand that he's in control. It's not anything like that. It's more a matter of him trying to win you back. He loves you. He cares about you deeply. I talked with some folks this week. We were just talking about the the magnitude of this idea that God loves us. That's a hard thing sometimes for uh, for adults. I, I was in a conversation two weeks ago, and they they were basically just saying, "Brett, thanks for spending as much time as you did in a particular sermon I'd, I'd preached, talking about the idea that God loves us." He said, I, I, that, "That was new to me." I, I mean, he said, "You know, I know they tell you that when you're a little kid, but when you grow up and you, you're an adult and you've got all these responsibilities and you've got a lot of life behind you." Um, sometimes it's it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God really does love you, and that's what we find out. We we find out that God loves us. He's not wanting to pay us back. He's wanting to win us back. There's a big difference in those two things. And that what has happened now to Jonah is that God is going to use the the experience of of him being in the belly of this fish, uh, not not to get after him, not to pay him back for something bad, but to get him to a place where he can once again. Be obedient to God and fulfill the, the calling that God has on his life. And then God says, Jonah, I'm not through with you. You know, I still want you to go on the mission. I, I'm still sending you to Nineveh. I know you ran. I know you, you've been caught up in the belly of this fish. I know all that. But now that you're back, it's not like you forget about Nineveh. We're still going to send you to Nineveh. So in Jonah chapter 3, we're going to see that today's message kind of takes a twist because if you're here today and, and you you aren't, you know, like, super locked into church maybe you know if you if you haven't spent a lot of time in church um, today from my perspective is not the best day for a non-believer to be in the building Uh, for most of us this morning today would not be the best day uh, from our perspective for a non-believer or a person who's not a Christian to be in the building because today we're going to shine a light on a part of us that are believers that isn't a real pretty Part. In fact, we don't shine the light in this area very often. This is a thing that we, we keep hidden in our hearts. This is a, an area that doesn't come to light very often. In fact, we don't even think about it all that much. But I think as you see us move through this today, you're going to say, yeah, you know what? The, I, I see myself in that. Today we're going to talk about something that's, I think, a little bit embarrassing to us as Christians. And um, it's something that you, you already know if you're not a believer. You, you know, one of the things you hear non-believers say about Christians is, well, they're all just hypocrites. They all are a bunch of hypocrites. And, and if you thought that was the case before, uh, you're definitely going to probably think it when the, this sermon is over with. So um, the fact is, if you, if you don't go to church very often, this might be one of the best sermons you ever heard because a preacher's going to get up and be honest with you about the hearts of Christians and you're going to go, see, see, I knew it. I knew that's the way you guys looked and the way you thought, and the fact of the matter is it is true because today's passage exposes something in our hearts that we'd like to pretend is not there. In fact, we try to cover it up all the time in an effort to, um, in an effort to become more like Christ. We've got to uncover it. We've got to, we've got to look at it and, and take a look at it. So Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now you have to understand that Nineveh was the arch enemy of the Israelites. They were savage warriors. They were the type that did not take prisoners. 
Um, they were very wicked people, and Israel would have loved nothing more than to have seen the Ninevites just completely destroyed. They, it, the, the Israelites would love to have seen Nineveh just be wiped off the face of the earth by somebody. And now God is going to send this guy Jonah to evangelize the Ninevites, which is not, you know, if you're an Israelite, that's not the best news for you. And he's, he wants them to go to Nineveh, and he wants them to warn them about the coming wrath of God. And so um, that's what Jonah's going to do. And if they repent, then they're going to be spared. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. You say, well, what's going on with that? Well, Jonah, uh, Nineveh was a fairly good-sized city, uh, somewhat of a sophisticated city. And basically what that's saying is if you were going to go spend some time in Nineveh to really get the full effect of it, you would want to take several days and spend several days in the city so that you could download everything that you were, you were, your eyes were seeing. It would be much like going to a place like Washington, D.C., where there's a lot of things to see I've heard people say, don't go to Washington and just spend, you know, one day there. I've heard people say that about the Smithsonian Institute. Don't just spend one day there. You're going to need two or three days to just take all the things in that you're going to see there. That's what was going on in the city of Nineveh. Verse 4, on the first day Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. So he's walking around Nineveh, and he's proclaiming as loud as he can, the end is near, the end is near. Now, you know, I don't know if he had one of those sandwich board things on with the big sign, the end is near, but, but he was pretty much putting himself in that kind of position. Everybody looking at him like, you know, what is wrong with you? Who are you? And, and uh, you know, I imagine more than a couple people just wanted to tell him, hey, you need to just calm down and, and be quiet. Um, and then here's the amazing thing. Look at verse 5. The Ninevites, oh, you know what, Bob? I forgot my slide, didn't I? I want to show you a slide this morning. Let's go back. Can we go back? I'm disrupting the flow of my sermon, but that's okay. I want to just see this. I went to see someone in the hospital this week, and someone had brought him a book to make him laugh. The caption, and this is a person handing Jonah one of those fish for the back of your car, and it says, hey, Jonah, we made this for you to put on the back of your car. I just thought in light of where we'd been in the last three or four weeks, that was really cool. I was going to start my sermon with that. Sorry. Okay, go back. Go to verse 5. Verse 5. I'm not sure that was worth it, but it was fun. Verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. They believed God. Now, you read that, and you go, right. A stranger walks into a strange town and he starts proclaiming a strange message and a message that that probably we would not want to do and and we wouldn't have any faith in. I mean, do you really think Jonah had a lot of faith in his message? Do you really think Jonah expected the Ninevites to repent and believe God? I mean, just he's, 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 that's a simple message. You know, the end is near. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to turn toward God. I'm sure he didn't have a big, long sermon thing. It was probably pretty simple. And the next thing you know, they're turning to God. I'm just so sure that that's how it happened. It says, they declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And you'd have to say at this point, Jonah is is in shock. Wouldn't you be? I mean, after everything you would have been through if you were Jonah, 
wouldn't you be just a little kind of dumbfounded at what had happened see history tells us that some things were going on with the Ninevites that that we we uh, aren't privy to in, in the scriptures we know for a fact that um, within a five-year period of time there were two major plagues that had afflicted the Ninevites and a lot of people had died as a result of those two plagues within that five-year period of time we also know from history that there was a solar eclipse about the same time as as uh, those plagues were going on and in that time a solar eclipse was viewed as a very bad omen it was something that would get your attention and it would make you uh, a little leery about the future you would have been very uncertain and then the other historical thing that happened is that about this same time 100 miles north of Nineveh three rival tribes have have come together they've built this alliance and they are starting to move and they're starting to just destroy everything in their path and they are kind of moving in Nineveh's direction so the king and the people knew that they had two plagues a solar eclipse and now their enemies are 100 miles north of them and they're moving their way and to top it all off here comes this guy who who nobody's ever seen they don't know Jonah from from anybody and and uh, you know he's he spent three days in the belly of a whale who knows what this guy smelled like his skin probably looked acid washed his hair was probably a mess and he's walking through town and he says the end is near the end is near. you got to repent you got to turn back to God in light of everything that was going on with the Ninevites and then this guy shows up they're thinking you know uh, we're going to believe I mean, we're just gonna we're just gonna for some reason we believe this guy and in light of everything that's going on with us, we believe him. And so they take Jonah seriously and they begin to repent. Now, we miss an important lesson uh here, and I want to make sure that we stop down long enough to be able to 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 get it in our minds, but oftentimes God impresses us to talk to a certain person. God, you know, will put someone in our path and we'll know that it's a it's the way it's supposed to be this god's got something for us in this individual and we pass it off and we'll say things like you know they're not interested or they don't want to hear anything from me you know you know they're cool or they're intimidating or they're um we just think i i just i can't talk to them and one of the things you learn from the book of jonah is that oftentimes god works behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts our tendency is to look at people and say well since they don't look interested then they must not be interested or if they look like they've got their act together then obviously their act is together and they don't need me to say anything and why would they be any different than you and me who sometimes when we come to church things aren't going good and we really don't feel like being here or we really don't feel like talking to anybody or we really don't feel like smiling but we dress it up don't we and we put the smile on and we act like everything's okay and we come to church to fool everybody what makes us think what makes us think that other people who don't even know Jesus wake up some mornings and have the same thing going on and they come to work and they look put together and they look great and they look like there aren't any problems and so we assume that just based on the way they look then they don't have any problems where if you really were to do sometimes the things that God's calling you to do or just have a simple conversation hey how are you doing how's your family how you know what's how's work going for you who knows what they might open up and say but we just assume that because they look like everything's okay that everything's okay we look like you know they look like they're happy and together and so they must be happy and together they don't look like they're interested in faith and so they they probably aren't interested in faith so i'm not going to say anything because 
You know, they just don't look like they're the type. When all the while, God could be moving behind the scenes to do something great, and all he's waiting on is for one of his servants, you or me, to be obedient and do what, we're, what it is that we're supposed to do to begin with. In fact, we all have stories, I think, that we could tell of a time in our life or someone that we knew where we could stand up here and say, I want to tell you the story about the time that I didn't think that anything was going to happen, but obviously God was working behind the scenes and this, this really cool event came about simply because God had been at work and I didn't even know it. And so Jonah runs from God. And this would be a great story, wouldn't it? This would be a great story. If the story ended here, it would be a great story. Jonah runs from God. God goes out and, and basically gets Jonah's attention and, and uh, brings him back. God gives Jonah a second chance. He sends him uh, to Nineveh, and he goes to Nineveh, and the people of Nineveh repent. God's work behind the scenes to prepare people's hearts, and, and uh, you know the story for us would be there should be more of us that are willing to do the things that we're called to do because God's working behind the scenes, and it would be, it'd be awesome if the story ended right there and we could just put a big bow around it and say, well, you know, that's the end of the sermon, that's the end of the lesson, that's the way God works, and, and uh, we can all go home now. But the, the, there's a strange thing. The next thing that happens is so strange that if you were writing this story, you would probably not take it in the direction that, that this story gets taken. If you were to make this up, there's no way you'd probably go the direction that we're going to go next. What happens next exposes our hearts a bit. Uh, it's really kind of embarrassing for us because Jonah's response to the repentance of Nineveh is likely a response that hides in our hearts sometimes. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. And so God says, hey, you know, they've repented um, and they've turned back in my direction. Maybe the end isn't as near as we all thought it was going to be. Maybe I'll hold off. Maybe I won't destroy them. Maybe I, I will withhold my wrath. I mean, they've turned their face toward me. Then you go to verse 1 of chapter 4. And this is where it starts to get real personal for us. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And we learned something about Jonah. And we really learned why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, this is, is this not what I said when I was still at home? In other words, I told you so, God. I told you, I told you that if we went and did this, I, I told you if I went and, 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 and gave the message that you wanted to be given to the Ninevites that, that they would repent and they would change and, and that you, know, you wouldn't destroy them like you'd been talking about destroying them. And now I'm ticked off and I'm not happy. And, and we want to say, no, Jonah, it's, you know, it's mission accomplished. Good job, way to go. I mean, that's what God wanted all along. And he would say, yeah, but that's the problem. It's mission accomplished, and I'm mad. And it says, this, that is why, he says, that is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. And we, what we learn is that Jonah did not run from God because he was afraid of the Ninevites. I mean, if you were to read this story, you might, if I were to tell you this story, at the end of it, you might say, well, he's running because he's afraid of the Ninevites I mean who wants to go to a big city like that and be the only guy and proclaim this message that nobody really wants to hear and who knows what's going to happen to him 
once he gets there but he he comes back and says no that's that's really not the reason that I ran and that's really not the reason I didn't want to go to to the city of Nineveh I ran because I knew that if I gave that message they would repent and they would turn back to God and I didn't want him to do that he hated these people and he was angry with God because they had turned back these these were natural enemies okay these were people who did not like each other how would you feel if the perpetrators of 9-11 or you know think of whoever our national enemies would be how would you feel if all of a sudden those people came to Christ and said okay we're Christians now and we're not ever going to do anything like that again I mean you'd want to believe them you'd want to believe them but there would be a part of you I think that would have a, a pretty tough time with that I think there'd be a lot of people in America that, that truth be told, somewhere in their hearts aren't completely happy with that, or people in this room, or maybe even on this stage, you know, that, that aren't happy with that. We'd p- kind of be disappointed a little bit if, if justice wasn't done, or if, you know, the right people didn't, you know, what if they said, well, they became Christians, we're just going to let them go. I mean, you know, they believe in Jesus, so... We're just going to let him go because that's the right thing to do. That's how Jonah felt. And then he says something that shows incredible insight into God's character. This is, this is really an amazing verse. Now keep in mind that this is Old Testament, okay? We're used to Old Testament being blood and guts and I'm going to get you and that kind of stuff. Listen, listen to what Jonah says. This is character, insight into God's character. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. In other words, I know that you're a good God, and I know you don't like to judge people, that you're full of love, and I I knew that if I came here, they'd really repent, and now I'm angry. Verse 3, now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. See, part of him knew he would eventually have to go home. Can you imagine the conversations Jonah's going to have when he goes home? Jonah, where you been? Well, I've been to Nineveh. What? You've been where? Nineveh? What'd you go to Nineveh for? Well, God told me to go to Nineveh because he was going to destroy Nineveh if they didn't repent, so he sent me to Nineveh to tell them to turn from, from whatever it was, their evil ways, and, and to do what God wanted them to do, and so that's what I did. Really? Well, how'd that turn out? Well, they repented, <laughs> and now God's not going to wipe them out like that we thought he was going to do now if you're an israelite and you're thinking for even a split second that god's going to wipe out the ninevites that's like really good news to you and then to go back to your countrymen and say well you know i'm the one that's responsible for carrying this message to the ninevites that turned their hearts back to god and now god's not going to wipe them out he says i don't even want to go home i don't want to tell that story i would rather just die it would be easier for me if i could just die now and not have to go home verse 4 but the Lord replied have you any right to be angry Jonah you're right I am the God of compassion I am the God of love I am the one who relents and Jonah you just experienced that yourself I just fished you out of this drink I just took you out of a belly of a fish if anybody deserves my judgment Jonah it's you but you're a recipient of my mercy and grace 
How in the world can you turn to me and tell me that you're angry, that I shouldn't give to others the exact same compassion, mercy, and grace that I've given to you? Verse 5, Jonah went out, sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's going to go out and watch the city and see what happens next. Verse 6, then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. See, Jonah's not mad anymore. This temporary vine has grown up and it's given him some shelter and he's happy about a vine. He's comfortable. Things are going good for Jonah. Things are getting better. Verse 7, but at dawn the next day God provided a worm notice that God is providing all these things right God provided the fish God provided the vine God provides the worm now to come and chew the vine so that it withered verse 8 when the sun rose God provided (laughs) God provided a scorching east wind these are called siracos and when a Sirocco happens, it's, it's just this unbelievable wind. The temperature goes up like 20 to 25 degrees. It's a nasty, nasty thing. It's a howling wind that comes through. And you really, you know, it's not good to be outside when something like that happens. Well, Jonah's in the middle of one of those. God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? (laughs) Jonah, I do. (laughs) I do have some reason to be angry about the vine. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned, and this is a key word, this is going to get real practical for you and me about this point. You have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it and make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. See, here's this this really temporal thing, this very temporary thing, and you get all excited about this temporary thing, and it makes you happy, and you're emotional, and you're all attached to something that's so temporary that, by the way, Jonah, you didn't have anything to do with. You didn't make it. You didn't tend to it. Nothing. Verse 11, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. In other words, Jonah, these people are like kids. They don't, half the things they're doing, they don't even know sin. They don't know right from wrong. These people need help. These people need to know the truth. And then he throws this in, and many cattle as well. It's kind of a throw in. And what about the cattle? best guess is he's kind of taking a shot at mr naturalist jonah who's all worried about the vine and all worried about everything else you know hey what jonah don't forget the cattle you care more about a vine than people jonah you care more about your own comfort than people ouch and hey jonah maybe just a little bit of compassion for the cattle you think we could you know find in our hearts to worry a little bit about the cows in nineveh And look how the book ends. Should I not be concerned about that great city? In other words, Jonah, 
you are concerned about all the wrong things. You're concerned about whether or not they get what they deserve. And you're concerned about whether or not you're going to get what you deserve or what you think you deserve. You think they deserve judgment because of the way they've been and you're mad at me for not giving it to them and you think you deserve certain comforts and you're mad at me for not giving you those. Jonah, do you know really what I'm concerned about? Jonah, what I'm really concerned about is that none of you get what you deserve. See, that's what God's trying to get across is I don't want anybody to get, look, if we got what we deserved, man. And he says, I'm trying to bring you along. I'm trying to let you be a part of this evangelistic process and you can't seem to get on board with what it is that I'm trying to do and because you're more concerned about what's going on with you than you are concerned about what my master plan is and what I've got going on. And this is where it gets personal for me anyway, and I would assume for you too, because, you know, in a general way, I'm concerned about bringing people to Jesus, but in a practical way, a lot of times I lose sight of that. For instance... Took my family to Olive Garden yesterday. My family had a great meal at Olive Garden yesterday. It was, it was nice for the first time, really, in a long time. We didn't have any eruptions. I mean, our kids are getting old enough now where they can, you know, they can look civilized and act civilized. It's great. And we had a really nice hour there together, and, and everybody got what they wanted to eat. But in retrospect, as I think about it, you know what? I don't think that I thought one time wonder if this waitress waiter knows jesus i was way more concerned that the order was right way more concerned that we did everything on time way more concerned about our comfort way more concerned that that the kids behave and everything like that go on i don't recall one time in that meal yesterday thinking to myself i wonder if this guy knows jesus see there's some jonah in me in fact, there's a lot of Jonah in me. I can be way more concerned about my meal at Applebee's than I am about the person who's bringing me the meal. I can get way more emotional about a great steak than I am about the person who's back there cooking it, who's going to live forever somewhere. There's a lot of Jonah in me. How about you? You get more concerned about the person doing your manicure than you do the manicure itself, or do you really worry about the manicure? I've been in restaurants, and I've watched Christians make a scene over bad service or a meal that didn't taste good and, and really draw a lot of bad attention to something that really, they make a much bigger deal of it than it needs to be. Um, oftentimes making a big deal of it to a person who really had very little to do with the mistake or whatever but they're the one that gets the brunt of it we get so involved we get we get so wrapped up in our stuff that we often overlook the person who's going to live forever somewhere god says jonah brett cross lane are you allowing some silly secondary concern 
to block you from being concerned with what it is that I am concerned about. See, there's a metric by which you can gauge spiritual maturity. I'm about to give it to you. There is a metric that you can apply to your life and and ask yourself, am I maturing spiritually? And here's the metric. At the point that what concerns you lines up with what concerns God, that's a good metric for spiritual growth. When you can really examine your life and say, you know, I, I can honestly say that in this particular area of my life, what concerns me is the same thing that concerns God. I am on board with what it is that, that concerns God. Jonah, and, and I don't want to gang up on Jonah. I'll lump myself in. I'll put me in there, and if you want to put yourself in, you can too. I'm not pointing a finger at you, but I will point one at me. Gets concerned about all the wrong stuff sometimes. It was just about a year ago, and uh, Mark Geringer, who used to play guitar in our worship band, who since has moved up around the Muncie area, I think, he was getting married in Connecticut. And so I was doing the wedding, and uh, Kyle and Stephanie had need to be up there so Kyle and Stephanie and Maddox and myself got on plane a plane and we were flying to Connecticut and they got on the plane and um, I was trying to help them God bless them anybody that travels in a plane with little kids I don't know how in the world they just got one I've seen people do it with two and three strollers and diaper bags and and I honestly I mean I, I don't I mean, I know they're making it to and from Florida this week because they're doing it without me, and I, I wasn't, I'm not there. But, I mean, I was trying to carry things for them and help them, you know. And I was thinking the whole time, how in the world do they do this by themselves? So I helped get them situated, and I, they, I was sitting away from them. I was sitting up a little further up on the plane, and, and I sat down. I was the first one in my row, and I'm all settled in, and I've got a, a book, and I've got my iPod, and I've got a sermon I want to listen to and some reading that I want to do. And so I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I got, I'm by myself. I'm going to be sitting next to somebody I don't know. I'm not going to have to talk. And here she came. And, and she was flying home, and she had two teenage boys. And she got them situated, and I could, t- I could just tell by the way she was dealing with her boys that she was a talker, you know. She just, she was a talker. And so she sat down, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lock into my book, like, don't bother me. But she had obviously not studied the finer points of how to leave a pastor alone, and so she, she, she started this conversation. Well, it wasn't too long, you know, that I just kind of folded up my book, and and in fact, by the time we touched down in Hartford, my neck was hurting because I, I she talked so much I couldn't take my eyes off of her. You know, I was, I was just stuck looking at her. She was really nice, and we had a really nice conversation. And I was, she, I think she was had some manner of faith, and we talked a little bit about that. Talked about her boys. She'd been through a divorce, and and uh, it was a nice conversation. In fact, the conversation we had saved me later on because I would have been completely lost in Connecticut were it not for a conversation that she and I had. Uh, it's a long story. I won't get into it, but the the conversation saved me. Okay, a, a major blunder on the way home. You know, when she walked into that plane and sat down next to me, the first thought I had was not, I wonder if she knows the Lord. 
I wonder if she has a relationship with Jesus. I mean, this woman's going to spend an eternity somewhere. I wonder if it's going to be in the right place. Never crossed my mind. I'm sitting there with my iPod and my book, and I'm just thinking to myself, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) See, I can... I can get up here and preach and I can make it seem like I'm really super spiritual and I know all the right big long theological words and do you want to know the truth sometimes I know all the theology but I don't want to do it sometimes I, I know the right answer to the Jesus questions you know I just don't want to do it Jonah's theology was perfect. He knew all the right stuff. But in the moment, when it matters, in the moments when when I'm caught between the the concerns of God and what concerns me, I am very, very prone, very prone to choose what concerns me. And when I lay that metric on my life sometimes of spiritual growth, do the things that concern God concern me? I don't like the answer I get. That's what Jonah teaches us. That's the ugly truth that was in Jonah's heart. That is the ugly truth that resides in my heart, and I'm just taking a wild guess that sometimes that's the ugly truth that when the light gets shined into the corners of your heart, that's what you find as well. You know what great prayer to pray today is? God, I really want my life to be concerned about the things that concern you. I really want my spirit to get bothered by the things that bother you. I want to be unsettled, Lord, when I know that there are things going on that would unsettle you. That that would be a great prayer for us this morning. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, And it starts with that first step where you say, I want to be in alignment with you and I want to stop running. It's the story of Jonah. It's you know, it's not a story. We think it's a story for little kids. We you know, we Jonah and the whale, and we think it's a great story for kids. There are great lessons in the story of Jonah for us because Jonah is us. He is us. Let's pray together. Father it it can be painful sometimes to read your word and it can if we stop and think about it and we start to make the application that is so easily there sometimes it's so it's not the most pleasant thing and lord there's not a person in the room this morning that hasn't gotten so busy and wrapped up in their world that they have forgotten what was important to you so it's not just jonah and it's not just me i'm sure it's pretty much everybody in here this morning that that has a tendency to get selfish and has a tendency to focus in and really lock into what we want in our comforts as temporary as they may be and not see a more eternal agenda and so lord this morning i you know it is our condition it is who we are we are sinful we are not perfect and we are selfish and so you know 
this is just something that we're going to fight with probably for the rest of our life but Lord I pray that you would help us to lay this metric over our life this idea of do we get concerned about the things that concern you that you would birth that in our souls and in our hearts that we would care more and Father in my case I would plead it help me to care more so that when we run into people and we see people we see them the way Jesus sees them and we don't this is God this is not about putting another notch in our gospel gun and this is not about adding one more soul to the kingdom it's not it's not a count it's not anything like that it's it's seeing somebody in the eye father and knowing that you see them and they need you and so God this morning we confess that we are the way we are we confess that to be the way you want us to be we can't do it without you and we are definitely Jonah in so many ways Father we claim your forgiveness this morning and know that uh, even that has been nailed to the cross our selfishness our, our pettiness you've taken it all away and we walk out of here clean forgiven people God, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.